Twitter. I'm Saeed Jones. He's Isaac Fitzgerald. We're a fan of the color black and black people. It's Friday. <laughs> we made it. <laughs> We, we barely, we made, barely it. made it. I was, yeah, I was doing a cute little dance. Yeah, and, and you're watching AM to DM. You sure are watching AM to DM. We barely made it. Here's a tweet from Taylor Banks. First, it was Justin Bieber, and now Nick Jonas is engaged. It's been a tough couple of months for anyone who has ever been 13. Listen, to all, look at all this conscious coupling. <laughs> <laughs> all this, there, it seems like a lot, a lot of people are getting engaged. Ariana uh -huh. and Pete Davidson. Uh -huh. uh, you know, Bieber, and I don't even know who he's... I I've, even come remember. on, Baldwin. Okay. Yeah, yeah that sounds right. <laughs> that sounds right. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, you know, I know your lane, and I'm not in everyone. Okay, I don't drive okay. in all the lanes, baby. Uh, and then, you know, of course, now Nick Jonas and Priyanka Chopra. Interesting. Which, which I, I mean, you're talking about standing in your lane. I won't lie. This is one of those couples that I feel like has been brought up a lot this summer. And yeah. it's one of those... Uh, for the last two months, because I think that's how long they've been dating. Exactly. <laughs> and one of those moments where I usually just smile and nod, because mm -hmm. I don't quite get why people are so taken aback by these two being together. It's a What's little the jarring. story? It's a little jarring. I mean, Ira had a great tweet just now, I retweeted, and he said, oh, Nick Jonas's days of gay baiting are over. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, part of it is, I, you know... Priyanka Chopra, I believe, as this is a factual statement, I, I interviewed her here, I sat across the couch, mm -hmm. she is one of the most beautiful women in the world, okay? Grown woman, grown goddess status. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. Nick Jonas, I don't know, I remember him from like, you know, being on Disney Channel and the Purity Ring and with his brothers. The Purity and Rings. That's a whole- Oh, the Jonas Brothers. Yes. Who did you- Okay, I thought Nick Jonas was in One Direction. Okay. Uh, which would have um, been at least a step above, beyond. right? Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of the thing. Yeah. That's the crazy like, thing. She's a world-renowned like, superstar. Yeah, it's like, here's the thing. Mm. I think with like women like Priyanka, goddesses, Priyanka mm. Chopra, Rihanna, mm. uh, Janet Jackson, you know, often like end up kind of dating um, billionaires mm. that we've never heard of. And we're just like, yeah, okay, I'm sure. Like I get it. oil tycoons. Oil Somebody tycoon. that's going to give them 100 uh -huh. And there's something about like not knowing anything about that man except that he's handsome and wealthy and can whisk her off, you know, wherever that kind of makes sense with mm -hmm. people who, like women who are like larger than life in mm -hmm. a way. Mm -hmm. I mean, then Jonas, it's like, oh, we kind of have this like, familiarity with him and like he's got like a lifetime pass to disney world yeah he's he got doesn't flop. he doesn't he doesn't <laughs> you know it's like he's got uh, some bumps. okay got some I, I got it but that said yeah. love is always exciting i feel like there's a lot of um like let me say big rock energy out there right like a lot of a lot of <laughs> oh okay big diamond energy oh big diamond like that. bde that a works BDE? a lot of big diamond energy it. all right so i mean listen i'm all here for love yeah i'm here, here for people getting engaged well so i'm gonna pivot as you now <laughs> mentioned love here's the thing it's August, uh -huh. or almost August. Mm -hmm. It's almost Christmas. No, I, Isaac hates when I rush it's seasons. It's still but, summer. No, 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 no. So it's almost August, and I like. I think this is an inter interesting part of the summer because it's that moment where you're like, okay, summer fling. It's been great. Uh, do we keep going, Ooh. or does the summer love stay in the summer? Ooh, it's time to figure out. Are you going to propose? <laughs> it's time to figure out. Is this going to go the distance, or is this just going to be a fling? Juicy. Interesting. How'd you do fling-wise this summer? Had a lot of really good sex this summer. <laughs> I'll put it, I'm not gonna, you know, it's, it's not, a Friday show. You know. It's yeah. a Friday show. I like that you've just got facts. You know, she's the most beautiful woman in the world. You hooked up a lot this summer. That's Living. great. What Living. about, what about something? Is there anything there that's maybe nope. gonna? <laughs> Mm -mm. I mean, you know what? There's a few days left. I guess someone could slide in. Nothing the... making it to fall? Mm, not that I know of. All right, this might be a little self-serving on my end Probably. here. But I'm going to announce it right here okay. on the show. All right. Operation Let's Get Saeed Jones booed up. His DMs are open. Uh, I think there's still time. I think you could find a summer fling that turns into late summer love that maybe makes it to fantastic 
fall romance. Okay, and Isaac, of course, has tweeted about this, which means I've, I got these texts in the group text. Uh, Saeed, you and I are the two single gals here. I'm not naming names. When are we going to take a dick trip somewhere chic and find the rich men we deserve? Well, uh, all right. They, I'm just saying. You right. could, That's an operation. You up, could down. get out there. Operation Get yeah. Saeed Boot Up. But we're going to stay messy because I have dear ferocity later today, mm -hmm. and we're going to be talking about, like, breaking up at the end of the summer, so, you know. Anyway, for now, shout out to this tweet from, I'm gonna go with their Twitter handle, Oaks, because the username was doing a lot, okay? Uh, can someone get almost romantically involved with me, please? Uh, summer is almost over, I need a fling. Oh! The clock is ticking. Is that a little bit of your burner account right there? <laughs> Listen, here's the real thing, I'm just trying to get him booed up so that I don't have to always be the one he's relying on. It's really Operation Free Isaac. <laughs> It's, it's, you love it. I do. You it's live true. for the drama. It's, I do. I love it. Anyway, we want to hear from you. Are you cutting off your summer fling? <laughs> or is it going to go the distance? You know we love to make news here on am to dm So tweet us using the hashtag am to dm You know, at the person. You know, <laughs> Let them know. They're just getting to the office having their cup of coffee. I say there's nothing greater than being, you know, three months into a summer fling and then realizing on a live Twitter morning show uh, you were about to get dumped. And let us know some of your thinking behind that. Why would you cut off a summer Ooh, fling? Yeah. Why? What By do you, all means, share details. What do you need to get it to go the distance to move on oh, behind okay. a summer fling. What is some of that? Let us know using the hashtag AM to DM. <laughs> well, here's a tweet from comedian Tony Poznanski. Betsy DeVos is trending, which means one of three things. One, her $40 million yacht was untied. Two, she did nothing to promote education. Or three, someone is missing a lot of Dalmatians. <laughs> Lynn Close is shook. I love the Dalmatians. Well, we've got an important update here from Betsy DeVos's yacht. Where am I? <laughs> There's also something about like the white Because just, just, that's where it is. It's just oh floating, my God. floating away. What I happened? I love this story. Um, so here's the thing. Betsy Davos, the Secretary of Education, you might know of her. DeVos, DeVos. DeVos, DeVos. Oh, let me, you know, don't, please don't say her name wrong. Um, owns, her family owns 10 yachts, uh, which is crazy. 10 yachts? Yes. The yacht in question mm. is named uh, the Sequest. Okay. Which is funny because it's docked in Ohio on Lake Huron. What? Yeah. So the Great it's, Lakes. It's, it's a Midwest yacht? It's a, a, a 400 mil or $40 million Midwest Mid yacht. Midwest which is yacht? A, which is a flex of a different kind. You I'm like, can't you gotta call your yacht Sequest <laughs> and not to, have it on the sea. Can you get to the sea from the Great Lakes? Yeah, man. I'm, they're like these those these things. You know oh, what these those, things are? I actually know. I hate yeah. that I know what you were talking yeah, about. Yeah, you know what I'm I talking about. I remember seeing that in our textbooks. Like the water goes in. in well, I'm a nautical man. I'm so just saying. So he's got on an actual quest to get to the sea. No, man. But here's the thing. Mm. Let's talk about the fact that what a flex so just to be like, you know what, Ohio millionaires, you think you all bad on the Great Lakes, girl. Here's my $40 million yacht, girl. Well, somebody's a little jealous. Yeah. Because they untied that damn yacht last night and just let it. And just, uh, was it a thing of protest? We don't know. We, there's, there's no security footage. They don't okay. know. The captain was on board and says he was a slower here. That person was asleep. The captain was on board. I don't know pronouns. That person was asleep. When it got untied. Yeah. And was asleep. I think that's captain speak for I'm mad at my at my bosses. <laughs> either way, the person is I, that captain's like in trouble, right? Because like one, either maybe you did it, or or two, like dude, you're off the coast of like oh, your coast, coast, the shore of Ohio. Like all you have to do is make sure this forty no, million dollar yacht. I'm spe speaking for the cap. I'm sticking okay. up for him. All right, that's security's job. All right, his job is just to drive the yacht. 
Take a little. I love the captain. The captain's doing great. You leave him out of this. Don't you try to pin this. I mean, don't get me wrong. I believe he might have done it. But don't, don't, if, if somebody else did it, don't blame him. All right, that's yeah. fine, that's fine. Well, let's take it to the timeline. As I'm sure everyone is familiar, every single person who watches AM to DM, who works on AM to DM, is the owner of at least one yacht. <laughs> oh, is that a fact? We only deal in facts here, friends. <laughs> uh, so we want to know, what is the name of your yacht? Mm. Uh, and where is it docked? Mm. Let us know using the hashtag AM to DM. Okay. Tell us about one of your yachts. Oh, one of my yachts. Yeah. Oh, one of my, yeah, first off, all of my yachts are ocean yachts. Okay. None of this Midwest yacht <laughs> bullshit. Uh, my yacht, it'd be called Crime Pays. So every time somebody sees it, every time somebody looks, they think there's a good story behind well, that's it. That's a pretty good one. All right, Crime Pays, and it would be docked in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, but I'd use it to go all up and down the East Coast, down to Miami, up to wherever that is in Canada. Uh -huh. It'd be great. I love that he's like, oh, the Midwest, you know, Great Lakes. So Portsmouth and New Hampshire. Yes, stunt on those girls. In Ocean Town, my friends. <laughs> what about you? Um, my... My my yacht is going to be. I thought about this. You wrote it I, down. I took You're notes. <laughs> I took notes because I had to, you know, had to get the captain's log in. A lot of email correspondence. Um, my uh, yacht is docked off the coast of Antibes, uh, France. Oh, beautiful Antibes. little town right outside of Nice. There's a lovely Picasso museum there, by the oh. way. Uh, and it is named Paul Newman's Ghost. That's a really good. All right, all right. I'm making fun of Antibes, but what nice job. That's a well-named boat. You asked a question and I answered all it. All right. Anyway, um, all that said, fun and games. Mm. Let's take it back to reality. SNL writer Pete Schultz makes a fair point here. Nothing sounds right about the words, the Secretary of Education's yacht. Yeah, that's true. And Just, especially when it's 10 of them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah, that doesn't sound right. Well, listen, BuzzFeed News reporter Amber Jamison tweeted this yesterday. I followed a van driven by an ICE contractor filled with reunited families. The driver sped, took a highway exit, and then cut back across lanes at the last second and ran a red light. All I presume in the hope of you not hearing their stories. Amber's piece? These three immigrant families were just reunited after months apart. Here are their stories. Amber joins us now. Amber, good morning. Morning, guys. All right, thanks for joining us from the great state of Texas. Uh, tell us about this, this van car chase. What happened? Yeah, so basically I'd gotten a tip um, from some of the lawyers um, who are working here. I'm down in Dili, um, outside of San Antonio, where there's a, a Dili reunification, I'm uh, sorry, a Dili detention center where there's a lot of reunified families. Um, but I'd been hearing that a lot of the reunifications were happening in Pearsall, a little town just uh, down the road where there's another big detention center. Uh, so I turned up at the front of it on, on Wednesday, obviously with Thursday's, yesterday's deadline of having to have the reunified children, we knew that there were kind of reunifications happening all across the country and often in places that they don't necessarily want you to have access to to see so that one you don't see the re reunions happening and two that you then cannot you know speak with that the parents that have been separated and the children that have been separated uh, so I turned up outside the detention center and there was a bunch of white vans uh, idling with drivers you know in them kind of it was very clear they were ready and waiting to go somewhere uh, and so you know I decided to follow them and see where they'd go we'd been hearing there were some of them kind of dropping people at bus stations or dropping people 
people at different charities and so forth. Um, so I, I stayed and I saw uh, the van go and, and have a bunch of um, children and parents uh, get inside it uh, and then drive off. And I followed it and it went to San Antonio. Uh, it was very clear the driver did not want me to follow them. Um, they were sort of speeding. They were going in and out. Uh, before they'd even left, they kind of were having like a decoy van and, and, and turning around and seeing if I would follow it. Um, and, you know, and then it did run a red light. And, you know, this is times that it, it was an ICE contractor who was driving it. Um, so it was a little concerning that they would drive in this in this manner with a bunch of children uh, in the back. Uh, but I followed it to the uh, Catholic Charities in San Antonio, which was kind of helping to, once families had been reunited, to kind of help them onto the next step of their journey. Okay, so that is incredible. That van yeah. was driving like that with wow. reunited families inside mm-hmm. of it. You followed, then they did eventually drop them off. Can you tell us about the stories you heard when you finally got a chance to sit down with these families? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was really concerning stories. Um, I spoke with three different families. Um, two were from Honduras, one was from Guatemala. Uh, one family had been separated for seven months. This was before the zero tolerance policy. Uh, him and his daughter had been separated when they were crossing the border at what he said was the legal port of entry um, in Laredo, Texas, and they were claiming asylum. I have not been able to get information um, from ICE on why they were separated. He said that he was told it was a very simple, oh, your daughter will be going to the, dentist, you know, the children's detention center and you'll go to the adults one as if it was kind of this just like very normal procedure for this part of the, um, you know, aspect of of the process. And then it took seven months of him begging, refusing um, to be deported, refusing to get on planes and constantly requesting information. That's the thing that all three parents told me that they had constantly asked, begged, put in requests to ICE, would ask immigration judges to be reunited with their children, would ask ICE officers and at every single stage would be very, uh, you know, kind of receiving nothing receiving no information. Um, another mother found out that her son, um, who'd been up in New York um, while she was down in Texas, it took several weeks before mm-hmm. she realised that her son was in New York, that he'd been um, given um, an anti... Well, he was calling it an antidepressant. Um, he remembered the name of it because he was 12 and was able to remember the name. Wow. And it's an antihistamine that is used to treat anxiety and he'd been taking it twice a day. Um, she was very concerned that you know, that one, he was having this, and two, was he going to be having depression issues and and major issues from the separation? You know, another man was also talking about how he had just begged and begged continuously and would be, you know, ask an immigration judge and they would say, ask ICE. And so just this, you know, incredibly devastated, frustrated parents, every parent immediately started crying. Everyone cried. Everyone was was clearly incredibly traumatized by what they had gone through. Yeah, I mean, I'm certainly not the first person to say this. I cannot imagine what it would be like to be a parent in that situation. Um, You talked about one of those young people being given prescription uh, medicine um, without the parents, you know, knowledge or permission. Um, What were the other parents able to say, like, about how their kids are doing now? Well... They literally had been reunited an hour or two ago. Um, The children that I saw and spoke to, you know, initially seemed pretty okay. I talked to the kids. They all sort of said that the facility they were in had been fine. Um, I have heard from other lawyers that, you know, when you actually speak to the children for a long period of time, that they are, you know, saying very concerning things about the conditions, particularly early on in the Customs and Border Patrol, where they call it the... um, the dog kennel or the sort of freezing icebox um, when they've been kind of kept in cages early on that were very traumatic um, and, you know, had had guards kicking them and so forth. This is not the stories that I had heard yesterday. The kids I saw yesterday were telling their parents that they were okay, um, that they'd been, you know, receiving okay care um, in the system. But, you know, there's obviously with 
when the children go through this process, there's a lot of different stages. So it's first it's with, you know, Customs and Border Patrol and first it's, and then it moves along to sort of health and human services when they're more living in facilities um, that do have better conditions than kind of the cages and, the, and the, those aluminium blankets that we'd seen. Um, so, you know, things have kind of changed along the way. The, the, it was the parents yesterday that most upset me. It was the parents who had clearly been carrying a burden for months of out of absolute fear um, of what was going to happen to their children and now what's going to happen um, in the immigration process for and, them. And, and let's talk about that because another thing in your piece, Amber, is these families were fleeing gang and domestic violence when they crossed mm-hmm. into the United States. So what's going to happen to them now? So basically, Jeff Sessions made a decision um, last month that gang and, and um, domestic violence were no longer um, reasons to claim asylum um, in the US. They were no longer justifiable reasons. And, you know, one of the parents I talked to yesterday, she was telling me how she's begun the process claiming asylum. And and she, you know, told me about her ex-husband who had arranged for people, uh, for friends of his to beat her. And when I told her that domestic violence was no longer an option to claim asylum, I'm, she had no idea. She did not know that at all and, and was clearly terrified. Um, you know, another man um, I spoke to, he had been told he'd gone through the first interview process and been told that uh, he was not a credible asylum claim. Um, however, he had photos, documentation that he had been beaten by gangs um, in um, in Honduras and or Guatemala. I think it was Guatemala. Um, he, that he'd been beaten by gangs, um, that he'd reported to police that um, they had threatened him and told him specifically that they would kill and kidnap his daughter, that he had been seeing them um, at his daughter's school when he would drop her off, that they had had to move house. And he'd made reports naming the specific people because he knew the specific people. Um, and he was absolutely flabbergasted that he had been deemed not credible um, and couldn't understand how that could possibly happen. He also did not have a lawyer. Um, None of the people I spoke to yesterday had lawyers. Um, They had been going through this process completely alone, which, you know, as we know, uh, people who are here seeking asylum, immigration, uh, people who are here seeking different immigration processes do not immediately get access to a lawyer. Um, So now that they have been released, they have an access to maybe try and and find a lawyer, but at what stage of the process they're in, it's uncertain whether they they will be able to kind of make um, any kind of claim. Mm -hmm. We also have to discuss the fact that Listen, the Trump administration says it has uh, reunified more than 1,400 of these families by the judge's Thursday deadline, which was yesterday, but there are still families who have not been reunited. And I'd say one family is one family too much to be in this circumstance. So do we have any sense of how many families still have not been reunited and what are the hurdles those families are now facing? Yeah, so the way that the government sort of says it is that, you know, they talk about the families that are eligible. So they're saying that right now there are 710, 11 um, potentially eligible children who have not been reunited um, with their parents. And that's for a variety of different reasons. For 431 of them, that's because their parents have already been deported. Um, And right now that's uncertain of how um, that reunification is going to happen um, because obviously these parents are in different countries and and do not have rights to return to the US. So how that... um, process is going to go is still unclear. Um, There was 120 children who had a parent who had waived the right to reunification. This is another issue that we've seen where the parents were signing documents that they understood or Hannity, you know, that were not necessarily um, in in a language that they spoke. um, And if they understood that they were what parental rights they were giving up and and why, Um, you know, there's another 79 children whose parents have been released into the US and that those parents haven't been located yet. um, Because obviously they are also, you know, undocumented going through their own um, individual system. 
and there's 94 children whose the government is still unclear of where those parents are. And these are just the potentially eligible children. There's obviously, you know, um, this is, you know, 711 children that could be reunited um, and should be able to be reunited that haven't had specific reasons because some of the reasons why they do not necessarily reunite parents as if there's, you know, criminal um, issues with the parents, if there's any indication that it's not the actual parent. And so these aren't counting those ones. These are the ones that the, the government says should be able to be reunited and, and they have been unable to do so so far. Okay. And it will just be continuing to go. The government is, you know, there's, there's this court case. There was the deadline yesterday, but it is just going to continue and, and we'll see what happens as, as the days go on. And we won't stop talking about it. Amber, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thanks, guys. Yeah, and for your reporting, chasing down that van. Listen, stick around. David Mack is sitting down with Kelly McDonald later in the show. But first, up next, we've got Fire Tweets. We'll be right back. that uh, I forget uh, every so often as we've been doing the show is that um, as we are doing the show every morning in the BuzzFeed newsroom mm. uh, downstairs on the 12th floor of our headquarters here there is a huge like wall like TV you know screen and uh, and they aired the show live I don't know if they always have the volume on but I think they do sometimes so which leads to this tweet uh, <laughs> from BuzzFeed News's own Tom Namako you know him you love him he said I am scandalized by this AM to DM lead in. Ah, I always forget. Just co-workers, co-workers <laughs> walking Hi. in. How you doing, guys? Good, Good to see you. Co-workers walking in as Saeed's just like, I had a hot summer. <laughs> hot, hot, hot. Wow. Always got to take it to that next level. Have you ever heard a crowd go? Okay. I'll I go. will say this, though. It's summer in New York City. Listen. It's about to be August. Things get hot. Things get sweaty. Heavy. This is in Hamilton, baby. All right. This is just part of it. This is part of the city's vibe. Also, I it's will say, sexy time. It's sexy time because there's nothing else to do. We've reached that part <laughs> of the summer. We've reached that part of summer here in New York City where it's it's no longer cute. It's no longer elegant walking down the <laughs> walking down the sidewalk and your cute summer looks. You're hot. Mm. You're sweating. Mm. It's just like, are we gonna do this? That's where we are. That. <laughs> Let's get to these fire tweets. <laughs> Carissa, you said. I accidentally told a customer their total was 1776 instead of 1767. And I said, sorry, just thinking about the Declaration of Independence, I guess. And he did not laugh or smile. <laughs> you jerk. Didn't, what a real didn't, throw her, didn't throw our lifeline at That's all. So cute. I like that we were just talking about Hamilton too. 1776. Oh, God. Six, six. I'm going to have Yeah, come on. I liked it. I liked it. Get you, out of here. If, if somebody, if you are interacting with another human being and they make a joke, come on, just be kind. Throw them a lifeline. Here we go. Tim Burns, you tweeted, friend, I'm 20. Me. Oh, cool. Friend, I was born in 1998. Me, realizing I am talking to a small infant child. Uh, hold the fuck up. Oh, mm. fuck. Do the math, yeah. 2018, 1998. Ooh, it's like, that's so Raven, but in reverse. <laughs> Ooh. That's oh, all right. yeah, wow, man. okay. Wait, are you oh, okay? Yeah. Do you need a minute? Oh, I think I'm having a I didn't know that, I thought oh. it was kind of funny. I didn't know it was gonna shake you oh, to your core. Goodness. Let's just keep going. It's Let's, okay, uh, buddy, it's okay. It's too late now, too late now. <laughs> this comes from Howard Middlemark. I like your life. Um, about five times a day, I put down my book or close Twitter or get up from a chair and say, okay, as if this is it. 
the moment I finally get serious and turn everything around. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Every time I get up from my desk, that's I'm like, I think I say, this yeah. is it. I go, all right. <laughs> all right. And then I sound like Matthew Mark and all right, all right, all right. Just walking around my house. Yeah. Uh, You're like, you know, this is the day I'm not going to talk about dicks on AM to DM. Oh, time. <laughs> Andrew Fowler, you tweeted, the anagram killer. If you ever want to see your family again, you have 10 seconds to anagram the word dictation. Me. Sobbing. <laughs> I, I can't do it. Do you get it? Unfortunately. Oh my God. See that? And this is exactly the kind of attitude I'm talking about. Somebody throws out a joke uh, and you just hit him with a brick wall. I just, you, I, you know. You, you do need to find summer love. <laughs> God, you moody bitch. Listen, dictation, it changes into I can't do it. It's, it's a funny joke. It's, it's a great tweet. Don't listen to this asshole. <laughs> I, what do you think happened? Did you let him off? Yes, he could have did. I, it's a technicality. The serial killer <laughs> left him off. It's a technicality. Okay. All right. I drive him crazy. Okay, tweet of the day comes from Alil Kalamata. Ready? <laughs> Yesterday, I asked my boyfriend if I could give him a boner and throw onion rings onto his dick like a ring toss, and he said the only reason he said no is because he knows I would tweet about it, and he is right. <laughs> And he is right. And friends, this tweet, this tweet is the reason that we have been so inappropriate this morning. Everything that has been happening has been building to this moment. It's I true. love it so it's, much. It's the first thing we saw this morning. I just love a tweet that answers its own question. She's, it's like, you're damn right. I definitely would tweet it. I definitely, I'm gonna tweet about it. Shout out to you, bro. Oh my ah. God. All right, listen, up next, we're going live from the dick toss. I mean, I'm sorry, the district uh, with Paul McLeod. <laughs> ah, I got him. I got him. We'll be right back. Welcome back. We're now going live from the district with BuzzFeed News Capitol Hill reporter, Paul McLeod. Paul, good morning. Good morning. All right, man. Where would your yacht be? No, let's, let's be honest. You do have a yacht. So where is your yacht and what is it called? Oh, yeah. Uh, my yacht is just uh, docked up over in Maryland. It's called a Definitely Not Stolen. Uh, just so people know, I, I definitely did not steal it. Which, and also, by the way, there is nothing more, I don't have to tell you guys this, you guys know this, nothing more annoying than when someone unties your yacht and sends it off into, into the waters. But how long would it take if you did not have security staff to realize one of your 10 yachts went missing? Like at what point are you standing there just being like, oh, did, did we not, did we not, I, I swear, did we leave one in Vienna? Like, wh I swear we, we bought it. Anyway, thoughts and prayers to the education secretary. Thoughts and prayers. Our heart goes out to her. Thoughts, thoughts and, prayers. and prayers. I can't imagine what it's like, what, is, what they're going through. Um, well, here's a tweet from BuzzFeed News. Michael Cohen claimed that then-candidate Donald Trump knew about the June 2016 Trump Tower meeting that Donald Trump Jr. held with a Russian lawyer. To which the president replied this morning, I did not know of the meeting with my son, Don Jr. Sounds to me like someone is trying to make up stories in order to get himself out out of an unrelated jam. Taxi cabs, maybe? He even retained Bill and Crooked Hillary's lawyer. Gee, I wonder if they helped him make the choice. So much in one tweet. Uh, Paul, the president seems shook. So if Cohen is telling the truth, how significant would this be? 
So if he's telling the truth, it would mean that the president was lying about having advanced knowledge uh, of his son and uh, son-in-law and senior campaign officials meeting with a Russian operative who was claiming to present Black, not blackmail, but like dirt on the Clinton campaign, uh, which would be bad. I mean, we don't know exactly what came out of that meeting. They claim nothing, but it's definitely sketchy. The whole thing is sketchy. If president, the president actually knew this, and he was lying about it. Well, if nothing came out of this meeting, then why did you need to lie about knowing that the meeting was happening, right? So it's really hard to unpack exactly what is going on here, but it's it's very weird. Hmm. I mean, what strikes me, and, and I've seen people in the timeline pointing this out as well, was isn't it fair to say that just a month ago, uh, Trump ally surrogates like Giuliani uh, were defending Cohen, referring to him as like a very honest, reliable man. So, uh, what? Oh. I think it's uh, it's fair to say uh, Trump and Cohen's friendship has deteriorated uh, significantly in the last few months. I I do not think Cohen is getting a Christmas card from the president this year. It's, they've, they've definitely... I mean, Cohen is clearly, at this point, trying to use whatever he can to save his own skin and turn on the president, so they've gone completely to war with this guy. And the Trump administration has a point. Cohen doesn't really have any credibility. Uh, but he also seems to have this treasure trove of recordings that he took secretly and surreptitiously of the president. So uh, maybe we won't have to trust him. Maybe he'll be able to just, you know, pull out a dramatic audio tape that uh, shows Trump really did know about this meeting when he's been lying about not knowing. Who knows? It's almost inspirational when you think about it, when you can say, like, anything is possible in 2018. Anything is possible. Anything uh, can happen, my, little my, guy. This is why I secretly my, record every conversation <laughs> I'm part of. My, my anything is possible has a much darker tone. What dreams may come. Oh, what dreams may come. Yeah, I love it. Well, uh, changing gears for a second, here's a tweet from Lysandra Villa. <laughs> that damn wait a minute stop you no, don't like what dreams not may hold come up. no it does not hold up it's a beautiful <laughs> movie it does not hold up robin no, williams no, i'm sorry i hate to i even hate on to the visuals to you, even on the might. visual design the flowers yeah. yeah the visual yeah okay the visuals like i get it that there was like the ground was cake or whatever but the plot of that movie was terrible look don't rewatch it I'm leave it in the past cut in it's here better. and but listen paul and saeed's movie corner can be coming up its own separate segment. Let's keep it live in the district. Some bullshit, Paul. Anyway, here's a All tweet right. from the Sandra Fia. Uh, Jim Jordan's statement on plans to run for speaker if Republicans keep the majority. This comes a day after filing articles of impeachment um, against Rod Rosenstein as recess starts for the House and in the midst of a wrestling scandal. Okay, Paul... Ugh, white people surprise me every day. I keep saying this, but shouldn't Jim Jordan be more concerned about the, you know, wildly outrageous um, Ohio State scandal rather than, you know, running for speaker? I mean, this guy has done the exact opposite of what we would normally think of as damage control, which is that you sort of try to uh, apologize and you try to keep your head down and wait for it to blow over. He's done the exact opposite. I mean, he's gone out and basically said the kids were lying. He didn't know anything about this uh, teen doctor who was molesting children and then has just made himself be in the news consistently, as you say, calling for impeachment of the FBI investigators looking into the president, now putting himself into an extremely high-profile race 
to potentially become speaker. Republicans would still have to win in the midterms, but potentially become speaker. So far, it's worked. Uh, Paul Ryan, President Trump, basically every senior Republican, Pence, all of them have said that we believe Jim Jordan, and he's just going to sort of plow through this thing, it seems. All right. Speaking of Paul Ryan, what has he accomplished and uh, kind of what kind of state is he leaving the house in? Well, he's leaving it into a really divided state. I mean, when Paul Ryan took over the speakership, his big speech, his big pitch to the conference was, it's time for unity, it's time to do things differently. It was trying to get back to regular order, which is sort of the way of doing things from the ground up rather than just having uh, the head of the House and the head of the Senate get together with the White House and decide and then tell the membership, we're going to do it the other way around, the way the founders intended. That never happened at all. And basically, Paul Ryan ran things the way his predecessor ran it, and he managed to get tax cuts passed, the big tax bill, that's kind of the only hugely significant legislation he's managed to pass. And now here we see there's this battle for the soul of the Republican Party that is raging and is going to continue after he leaves. I mean, Jim Jordan is a perfect example of this. This is one of sort of the, the far right wing of the Republican conference that is very emboldened right now. And it'll be him up against probably Kevin McCarthy, who's a majority leader, will be his main competitor. He's sort of in the Ryan mold, an ally of Ryan. And they're going to go head to head to see, I mean, really, whose party is this? Hmm. A battle for the soul of the Republican Party. All right, well, we'll be keeping an eye on that. Before we let you go, Paul, quick question. Do they have birthdays in Canada? God. Yeah, no, Americans invented birthday uh, birthdays. Uh, we don't have them anywhere else in the world. You guys uh, cut the monopoly on, on what do you What do you guys call them? Do you call them like life day? Like the bears come out of the forest and like hold the baby up? Like what's the what's what's the official Canadian term? Like maple syrup? Well, of course, uh, yeah, Can yes, Canadian tradition tells that we all emerge from a giant igloo. So we call it igloo day. And that's the day you emerge from the igloo. Yeah, that's that's exactly. I just want to say you really got the your finger on the pulse of Canada. Thank you very much. That's what everyone tells me all the time. They're like, Isaac, are you Canadian? God, you know our ways so well. Uh, but seriously, Paul, happy birthday, happy life day to you. You salty-ass Canadian. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Saltiest Canadian we go, know. Go enjoy. Go watch a Robin Williams film, uh, you know, to celebrate. <laughs> Look at his laugh so hard. His show's weird. Anyway, up next, David Mack sits down with Kelly MacDonald. We loved her in Boardwalk Empire, Godsford Park. I just an icon. He's over there. Transpotting. He's mm. practicing his Scottish accent. We're very excited. Woo. Stay tuned. Well, welcome back. Uh, I'm David Mack, of course, and I'm so excited. I'm here today with one of my favorite actresses, Kelly McDonald. This is so exciting. You know her, of course, from Train Spotting, from No Country for Old Men, from Brave, and of course, from Boardwalk Empire. And now she stars in the new film, Puzzle, and we have an exclusive, never before seen clip that we're gonna preview right now. Let's take a look. I think we should watch the news. Now? No, just more often. Why? Nothing good ever happens in the world. Still, shouldn't we know about it? Uh, hey, Agnes, still here. Sorry. 
Uh, as someone who works in the news, I can relate to that as well. Nothing good ever happens, but Nothing I'm glad that some people pay attention sometimes. <laughs> uh, I saw this yesterday. Uh, it is so beautiful. Uh, it is really a coming of age story, right, for an adult woman, which is something that we don't get to see that often in cinema these days, it's right? True. I'm glad you said adult women. A lot of people have been saying older women, and it makes me feel bad. <laughs> but yeah, she's in her 40s, early 40s, as I am, and um, and she's not quite. Um, evolved and like she's got sort of stuck at the mm -hmm. 18 year old she, yeah. she was and so she's not ready for a midlife crisis right so it's coming of age for right. sure and is that is that what drew you to the character her kind of like um you said midlife crisis but i didn't put those words in your mouth no. <laughs> but is that, is that, there's obviously a big <laughs> adult crisis yeah adult cry an adulting crisis yeah. is that that's obviously like as you said this is something that people may normally go through in the early 20s or something mm -hmm. it seems like she's doing it well, in it her just, 40s right? i mean the, I, I was just drawn to the character from the get-go just because it, it, she's so unexpected you know she's mm. a quiet suburban housewife but she's got this huge internal world that's never nobody's ever seen and it was about that slowly leaking out and um, yeah I just think she's interesting she's very interesting of course the film is about her discovering this uh, skill and love for puzzling and competitive puzzling and how this kind of brings out a whole new side of her and her new life of her and you used the word quiet there, it is a quiet film, isn't it? I wonder when you get a script like this, and there's so much silence. Is it a thin script? And and what when you first read it, what what are your first thoughts? No, I hadn't. It's funny because there's a lot of um, the the audience really gets to know Agnes in her quiet moments mm -hmm. when she's on her own. And when I read the script, it hadn't. It didn't strike me then that you know I would be spending a lot of the time on my own. At work, yeah. and I really was like in cars, on trains, yeah. sort of in train stations, walking, and that's and the audience gets to know her that way, or sort of little quirky. She's quite a quirky lady. Yeah, she is, mm -hmm. uh, and obviously a lot of it is spent looking at your in you know internal processes. Sometimes puzzling, literally puzzling. Yeah. Sometimes puzzling through her life and working out what she wants. How do you? I know this is acting 101 here, but how do you, as an actor, convey that internal thought process when it's literally, as you just said, just you by your yourself on screen? I don't know. I, yeah, this is like me, my Tom Hanks <laughs> sort of in Castaway yeah. sort of movie. <laughs> um, it wasn't a glamorous location, though. I was in Yonkers. It yeah. wasn't, it's not the same. Um, but I, I, I kind of have always really liked silent movies mm -hmm. and, and find, like, you know, actresses like Lillian Gish and people could convey so much. And so this is kind of, this was my opportunity to mm -hmm. sort of give that a bash. And the director was really amazing and he just let me do what... We didn't discuss things, like, at length. They, you know, I would just do what came naturally and... and yeah. You said filmed in Yonkers, but uh, set in Connecticut, correct? And so yes, Bridgeport. Bridgeport. I do a very specific Bridgeport. This is what I'm going to ask. How do you learn this, and what can you teach me? Because I find, like, in Australia in the US, I'm constantly hardening my R's so that oh, people yeah. can understand me. So what? 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 What are some I go words? the other way. Oh, do you? I like make. I try and sound like even more Scottish so nobody <laughs> can understand me. I'm not helpful. <laughs> okay. What are some, What were the key words that helped you break into this accent? I, I feel like it's funny. I can't remember now, but I had a I had a lovely dialect coach on set mm -hmm. with me, which is, it just takes the pressure off slightly because I can get, you know, on Boardwalk I was doing an Irish accent yeah. forever and I, I never had a dialect, dialect coach on set with me and so I, I, from the first day to the last day five years later, I still every day had my little earbuds in and would listen <laughs> sort of religiously um, to this voice. So it just takes the pressure off if someone else can do that for you. 
Okay, and you did tell me before we came on, I'm not going to make you do it if you don't want to, but you are. You said you have to learn an Australian accent? Yeah, I'm learning it for, I'm doing a movie later in the year. And okay. Yeah, Western Australia. All right, and, and then you said there's a phrase that uh, we say a lot in Australia, how you going? How you going? How you going? How you going? Yeah. How are you going? I'm going good. Good. <laughs> I got to, um, but I, I'm sorry, I worked with Margot Robbie. Oh, did you? Um, a couple of years ago, and she thinks it's hilarious that I'm going to be doing an Australian accent. And I said, she's I don't need tips? any help from her because she's such a bogan. Oh, she is a bogan. She's, such a, she's bogan. a bogan come good though. She had, I mean, yeah. she had to have dialect lessons to just sound less Australian in Australia. Like that's how <laughs> rough she is. I love that. For people who don't know, bogan is like I don't know Australian like, for like redneck maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trailer and, trashy sort. Yeah, of, but like yeah. it's bo there's like bogan pride, like redneck pride here as well. I love that. Oh, yeah. send Margot my regards. We don't I know each other. I will. Uh, but I, I mean, obviously, I'm constantly trying to improve my Scottish accent, okay. which you is, do need to do that. Okay, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> What's one word I can say that at least will be my like keyword in like because I think it's like the word Scottish but that's uh, not yeah, good apparently. Yeah, you would think that would be it. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, I can feel. You say Glasgow. Glasgow. Here you go. All right, all right, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, we were going through some of the films that you're in before. Train Spotting. Uh, I didn't even mention Harry Potter, obviously. Oh, yeah. uh, Black Mirror. You play one of my favorite episodes of that as I well. I love that so much. I well, had okay. such a blast. You did because, yeah. like, I'm wondering it, when you sign up to Black Mirror, do you just sign up to Black Mirror, the show, or do they come to you and be like, "We've got this one specific thing"? No, it was thing. very specific. And also, our in that season, ours was the only feature length. Yes, so it was like a movie. It was a movie. And it was me and it was like two female leads really and me and Faye Marseille and she makes me laugh almost more than any other person I've ever met <laughs> and um, and it was just hysterical stuff. I mean it's really dark. The it is dark. Actual, yeah this um, the film itself but we were um, it was just fun times. I mean it, it's obviously Black Mirror is all about um, technology and social media and we found a quote from you last year talking to or recently to Variety saying about Twitter and this is a Twitter show so this is going to get a little awkward. Uh, Twitter was interesting for all of about a minute uh, no, it's uh, fine. But now uh, I'm on it. You are on and it. It's, it's really but interesting. I'm wondering. Yeah. No, 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 it's fine. It's all. Oh, yeah, obviously it's interesting. But I'm wondering what you, you seem and your character in puzzles a bit of a kind of luddite. And I'm wondering why. What is it about social media that turns you off from social? Well, media? Well, I, I was on Twitter for a second um, and Instagram as well, but that was a private thing. But. I just thought, who in the heck am I talking to? I was, uh, you know, I've got... You're talking to me? This yeah, I would follow. To... Yeah, I'm interested. Hmm? Well, I didn't know that. Okay, all right. Well, now yeah. you know. Please come back. Okay, we need, we need Twitter is so hell hellish, and we need lovely people like you to come back and, like, put some sunshine in there, please. Uh, I have a question here, and it's literally just David fangirls about the movie Gosford Park. Um... I don't really have a question. I just want to let you know that I love that film. And oh. it is so important, I think, in uh, movie history. And I'm wondering, I guess, there were so many incredible actors in that film. Like, every British actor ever was almost Except in Except Colin Firth. Oh, okay. And he's really annoyed about it. Is he really? Yeah, and he's not in Harry Potter either. Oh! Like, every other actor <laughs> Ooh, Harry Potter. It's a little tense. Yeah, it's a bit awkward. Well, he's in Bridget Jones, so yeah. that's like, I mean, you know. He's, I'm wondering, on that set, who were you most in awe of on Gosford Park, and who did you learn the most from? Maggie Smith. Yeah. I mean, I, I hung out with Maggie, yeah. and she's very dry and funny, and um, and I just I just loved her. Yes. And she also feels like she's got this. She played a very famous character called Jean Brodie, Miss Jean Brodie, mm -hmm. and um, and she feels she's got this Scottish connection. So I felt we we were like. 
family. You played her servant in the film, obviously, I and do. had this wonderful relationship, mm -hmm. kind of uh, where she's so ignorant to just anything to do with you. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, I mean, that's. I, I hope I was hoping you were going to say Maggie Smith. I just I'm thought, so glad I thought, you did. And also, I, I learned Robert Altman, the director, yes. when I got the phone call asking if I wanted the part. Um, he he worded it in just the loveliest way, and he said, "Come play with us." And I thought that's exactly <sighs> what I want to do. Please, thank you very much. Okay, yeah. one day I'll get a phone call like that. That sounds great. Yeah. Uh, before we go, this is BuzzFeed, so we're going to play a little game. And you said Scottish before. Mm -hmm. This is a Scottish friend of mine sent me some Would You Rather Scottish editions. Okay. Now, the, the key thing is, I don't know what half of these words mean. Okay. So you're going to have to explain well, to me. Uh, tunnock's tea cake or caramel wafer? My what the hell is a tunnock's tea cake? What is that? Um, they're delicious. Okay, Or and what's a caramel? It's a, a biscuit or a cookie or something like that? What's the other one? The uh, caramel wafer? Yeah. Yeah, it's made by the same Tunnock's company, and I would say tea cake all the way because it's got mallow and chocolate. Okay. So. Yeah. All right. That, well. I mean, they're both excellent, but if I had to choose. Okay. Here's one. I know what the first one is: salt and vinegar, or salt and sauce. What is? What's the sauce? Salt and sauce. He's the East Coast, I think. He's it's from Edinburgh. Yeah. I think. Yeah. See. <laughs> but what? Like so I, I think I think he did predict you were going to say salt and vinegar. Salt and vinegar. Okay. But what's the sauce? I don't know. Oh, Weird some Edinburgh. Okay. Stuff. People freaks. Okay, here's one. I have literally no idea what these words are. Tenants or Buckfast? Okay, that's alcohol. Okay. And I think uh, Buckfast, I couldn't, I can't think I've ever had that, so I'm going to say tenants. Okay. Lager. All right. Uh, macaroni pie, which I assume is pie with pasta in it. Yeah. Or scotch pie. Scotch pie with baked beans on top. What, what's in a scotch pie? Scotch pie is like random meat that they, they, <laughs> Sounds delicious. they mince up so you don't really, it's all the extra bits. Okay, well speaking of random meat and extra bits, haggis or literally anything else? Is it, literally yeah anything, anything else. else that's what my producer stuck that in I was like guys no one in Scotland actually eats it right no I mean it's no. not a thing I have eaten it and it's fine okay it's just really peppery is like it oh you I would hope it doesn't taste like the meat but and it's okay. the texture <laughs> is the unpleasant aspect really okay well good there you go uh, I am so thrilled you're coming back to Twitter announced here first on <laughs> so <not>. yeah. <laughs> please do puzzle <laughs> is out now you don't want to miss it it really is beautiful and up next we have more AM to DM so stay tuned thank you here's a tweet from Eve Pizer Big deal, Mars. Earth has 117 million lakes. That tweet is in reference to the recent discovery of an underground lake on Mars. And here to explain why that's a big deal is BuzzFeed science reporter Dan Vergano. Good morning, Dan. Good morning, Isaac. How are you, man? Man, I am doing well. It feels like it's been a little while since we've done this. How are you doing? Uh, I'm good. Uh, I'm enjoying a sunny day after a lot of rain down here in D.C. Oh, it's funny you should bring up rain because we're here to talk about water, Dan. Can you explain to me why it's a big deal that Mars has an underground lake? Well, it is on Mars, you know, and it's the first one we ever found. Uh, the excitement is that, you know, life is uh, supposedly evolved in water on Earth. So, hey, if they've got a bunch on Mars, then maybe there's uh, life on Mars, too. And that would be cool because that'd be totally different than cut off from Mars and you know, aliens are fun and Mars is neat. So what the hell? This is pretty exciting. All right. So this is pretty exciting. It's the first time we found uh, a lake like this. Can you tell me a little bit about it? Is it is it a big lake? Is it a summer lake? Can I go like uh, jet skiing on it? What kind of lake are we talking? That'd be a bad idea. It's like an Antarctic lake underneath a mile of ice on Mars. It's about 12 miles across. They don't know how deep it is. It could be a yard deep. It could be a mile deep. 
Uh, it's still a lot of water, 12 mile lake, uh, but it ain't Lake Superior. It's, it's a relatively small thing, uh, very cold, very salty, maybe five times or more salty than the ocean, uh, maybe 90 degrees, minus 90 degrees Fahrenheit. So, uh, man, I would dress warm if you're going to go jet skiing in it. Okay, so it's a salty, cold lake. Uh, I do want to ask, though, you, you mentioned life earlier. It, life does get created in water. Is, are we closer to finding life on Mars? Nah, nah, not really. It would be quite a feat to uh, drill down a mile under the ice. Uh, it might be. It's exciting, and if, I should be honest. It, it does raise the possibility of uh, microbes somehow lingering under this thing because they have found similar situations in Antarctica. But, um, man, it would have to be pretty hardy stuff to live in really salty water a mile under the ice on Mars. Um, but it does make it, you know, I will admit, just a smidgen more likely. I'm just going to quote um, a very, very famous documentary called Jurassic Park uh, that was filmed in real time. Uh, life finds a way, Dan. So I don't know if I like your negative attitude. Uh, let's let's switch gears here real quick, though. Rachel Jane Andelman tweeted, the Mars water and the sarcophagus juice is actually the same. I am excited for the rest of you to find out how. Dan, if we get water from this lake, can I drink it? Uh, you could, uh, but I wouldn't, man. It's, it's salty stuff filled with cadmium and bromine and all kinds of other nasty things. Uh, if you wanted to drink on Mars, you could just, you know, brush the dust off the surface and defrost the ice that's right there, which is nice water. And, uh, it would be, you know, nice and cold, but probably not kill you. All right, that would be the easier. Let me, but just, I mean, I brought up the sarcophagus juice, so I got to ask that because we, we didn't get a chance to talk about that, Dan. Could I drink that stuff? Is that okay? Uh, it's Egyptian sewage water, so uh, you could, but I wouldn't do it. I I would actually probably rather take a sip of the Martian water than the sarcophagus water, man. Uh, dead guy juice mixed with sewage, you know. Uh, uh, I don't know about that face, Dan. I like to party. Uh, but listen, it's not just the lake that's making news. Uh, Mars, I feel like, stealing a lot of headlines these days because it's the closest it's been to the Earth in 15 years. Uh, so what does that mean? Uh, it means Earth's a little bit out of its orbit. Uh, we actually uh, passed the point in uh, July 6th, uh, Earth's furthest from the sun. So we're lapping Mars. We're going faster around the sun than, than Mars. And so we just passed it. Zoop, we're lined up. And we're a little bit further away from the sun than we typically are, about 1.5 million miles. So we're closer than we have been before. Uh, it's fun, uh, but other than that, uh, it just means orbital mechanics still works. I don't know. The fact that you just said that Earth is a little off its orbit has me really worried, and I'll probably stay up worrying about that tonight. But listen, also, Mercury's in retrograde, my man. So what does Mars being closer to the Earth mean for my horoscope? Should I go gambling? Well, you know, Earth, uh, I'm sorry, rather, Mars does control animal spirits in your horoscope, right? And uh, that's aggression and so forth. So, uh as much as you ever should, probably this is a good time to do it. Um, if, certainly if it's air conditioned, I would counsel you to go ahead. <laughs> All right, Dan. I really appreciate that recommendation. Thank you so much for helping explain Mars to me. I'm going to go hit the gambling tables. I really appreciate it. I hope you have a good one. Then boldly, Isaac. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Listen, up next, Saeed is going to be answering some of your questions for Dear Ferocity. It's going to be a fiery one, so stick around.
Killer. Okay, it's Friday, so you know what that means. Uh, it's time for Dear Ferocity, where I give you questions, and I give you, you ask the questions that you DM me, uh, excuse me, you DM to me questions, and I give you advice off the top of my head. I'm so shaken by these questions that I can't even speak. Okay, Katie Natopoulos, a senior tech editor here at BuzzFeed News, tweeted this. People should start using shadow banned instead of ghosted in terms of ending relationships, which, yeah, that's a pretty good way to talk about it. Because today we are talking about how to break up with someone, how to break up with a lover, boyfriend, partner, how to break up with friends, how to break up with fuckboys, because those are all very unique situations. Question number one. I was on my boyfriend's computer and saw Facebook messages between him and a girl that we've had arguments with over, arguments over in the past. He promised he would cut her off, but he clearly did not. They were making plans to meet up. I am completely done with him. Do you think I should confront him with the evidence I took screenshots and break up with him? Or should I just stop answering his calls and never talk to him again? Ah, oh, man. That is so shitty. I am sorry that happened. Um, I would say this. Um, it's clear that uh, you've made up your mind that you are ready to break up with him. I think that's a pretty good decision given what you've said. I think it depends on what you need. Um, I think um, it can be helpful um, to have resolution, to be able to say, and actually I'm gonna go this way. I think you should tell him I am breaking up with you and this is why. This isn't a negotiation. I am not looking to be persuaded. I'm just letting you know I've packed my stuff and you, or you need to pack your stuff uh, and go and, and, and this is the tea. And, and the reason I think you need to do that is because we all in the wake of a relationship develop like a narrative about what happened, right? And I think if you just ghost or shadow ban him without, you know, giving any detail or justification, that gives him space for him to make this all about you ghosting on him. That gives him an option to kind of focus on what you did as opposed to focusing on what he needs to take responsibility for. But I'm sorry it happened. Just listen to the first half of Lemonade Girl and let the healing begin. Okay, two. I made the mistake I made the mistake of starting to date a colleague this summer. He's just so fine I couldn't help myself. You would understand, Saeed. We don't get to that in a moment. But now I'm over it. How can I break it off without it getting too weird? We sit pretty close to each other. Okay. First of all, talking about Saeed, you would know it. Indeed, I would, because earlier this summer, when several of you asked for advice about dating coworkers, I had advice and I gave it to you, and we have the gift. <laughs> Bitch, don't do it! I told you not to do it! I told you this is exactly what could happen. You could end up breaking up with this person or not working out, and then you gotta worry about seeing them at the water cooler, or in your situation, boo-boo the fool, you're sitting next to this person. This is a disaster. I don't... You need to break it off. You need to break it off. I think all you can do is try to, um, I would say meet this person for coffee, meet this person in a neutral space and try to have a very adult, very clear conversation. You know, this has been fun, but it's also not working. Um, and I think we need to stop and we need to talk about boundaries. I still don't think it's gonna work out. I think you've set yourself up for a really frustrating, messy few weeks to be perfectly honest, and I love you enough to be honest, but uh, good luck, girl, because I told you not to do it. No dick is worth it. Anyway, okay, 
couple more. Um, I've been, oh, madly, hopelessly, unapologetically in love with my best friend for over 13 years. She's made it clear she's not interested in a romantic relationship with me. Whew. But even my ex-girlfriends are privy to the fact that I'm happiest when I'm with her. Is it possible for this to be a healthy friendship? Uh, well, 13 years is a long time. That is, not, that's okay. Um, I, I, <laughs> I mean, I, once someone has told you, if you've been candid with this person and, 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 and you've really, you, not just like you've been hinting at and da da da, if you have said, listen, this is more than friendship, I have, you know, romantic feelings for you, and that person has said, I hear it, but I don't feel that way, that's it. That's the end of that road. Um, and I think if you care about that person as a friend, you know, put yourself in that situation. Th that makes it uncomfortable for them if you're still trying to angle, if, if you're creating a dynamic where they are constantly kind of having to ask themselves, you know, is he doing this just because we're friends and we're vibing or because he's hoping for something more? No one, that's, that's, not, that's not friendship. So I would argue if you want to be friends with that person, you need to absolutely be platonic friends with that person and just set that all aside um, because you're not doing yourself or that person any favors. Okay, y'all in these questions. Okay, one more. I recently cut ties with my best friend of 10 years. I love her like a sister, but I'm just tired of feeling like I'm giving more than I'm getting. I'm super close to her family and I still feel like they are my family too. Can I still talk to her mom? Oh man. That happens. I think friend breakups are perhaps the hardest breakups because we don't have a lot of models for that. We don't have a lot of cultural um, uh, icons to look at in terms of how that goes, right? There are all these movies and novels and you know that depict uh, divorces and, and, and boyfriend-girlfriend and boyfriend-boyfriend and girlfriend-girlfriend breakups. We don't see a lot of friend breakup narrative. So it's, it, it, it's difficult. Um, and, and, and I would argue we're really intimate with our close friends. We tell them everything. I think we're, we edit ourselves with our lovers and our, you know, our partners in a way. Um, but your question is about the mom. I think you need time. Like for step one, I think, you, I think you're just going to have to accept that if you and your friend are breaking things off, um, it's going to be a while before you can just like stroll up into, you know, your friend's mom's living room and, and just hang out. Like, uh, you know, and, and I think, I think maybe if you feel comfortable, you can, you know, say that, you know, perhaps to the mom uh, being transparent, like, you know, I love you so much. I love all of you and I'll always love, you know, so-and-so, but we're going through some stuff and we need some space. But, you know, once we're kind of in a different place, I, I would love very much to come back and see you, you know, but we, we have to own the change that is taking place and give people space. So good luck. Y'all ask me some questions. All right. Thank you for your questions. As always, uh, you can tweet me ideas for topics using the hashtag Dear Ferocity. You can DM me as well. I keep it anonymous because what a burden. Um, I'll answer more questions next week. When we come back, Isaac and I are going to read your tweets. More of them at least. What? <laughs> We're just jamming. Oh, yes. It's Friday. We're having a good time. Woo. Yeah, it was a week, guys. It was a week, but you made it. We're proud of you. I wanted to bring up this tweet from our own Amber Jamison, who's reporting live from Texas today for the show. She tweeted, here's a little behind the scenes look at my setup for this morning's AM to DM cross so that viewers don't get a shot with my unmade bed or weird hotel room in the back room. 
background, sorry. The magic oh, of television. Oh, yeah. So look at this. I like, can bring that, that bring, back bring up? Bring that back up. Bring I that like back up. I like the ingenuity. Okay, so what you've got there is a coffee table Little placed table. upon a bed with the laptop on top. So she's she's staring into that camera. Is so that the lamp on the floor? Oh, the lamp on the floor. So she had good lighting in front of her. She has the windows open. Lighting is everything, friends. Lighting is this everything. This is something Isaac and I have learned. Mm -hmm. Lighting is seemingly like 75, 80% of like looking good. It's true. On TV. You got to find your light. Uh -huh. Essence said that so on the as show. As much as I appreciate when y'all are like, your skin was looking good, someone DM'd me this morning, it's it's the lights. I like it. <laughs> I like how you just light. casually draw, you like, oh. I, like you people just telling me how great my skin looks. And seriously, thank you for telling me my hair look good too. Shout but, out to Amber yeah. for look at that. I mean, again, shout Amber, out to Amber for doing the work. Uh-huh. Amber, send that screenshot to your coworker, our coworker, Charlie Warzel. Mm. Uh, because mm. he'd be looking rough. Yeah, he just comes up. He's, he doesn't get out of bed. Okay. He shows up. He just, he's got the covers he's like, pulled welcome up. welcome to the dyspopia. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, well, we're here. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we asked you for your yacht's name. Shout out to Betsy DeVos and uh, what was it, Sequest? Sequest. Sequest. Which On a lake. Boat. Anyway, uh, Kirsten Baptiste, you said, my yacht is docked near my mom's house in Miami and called Tits McGee. Okay. A choice. All right. A choice. It's your, it's your yacht. It's your yacht. It's Call your yacht. Your yacht. Do it as you want. I have a, I have on flip flops today, and I just lost one. He so, just lost. He did just lost. <laughs> uh, just to remind you, uh, Saeed's yacht would be called Paul Newman's Ghost, which I thought was really good. Uh, Mrs. Smith also shared her yacht's name. My yacht is called I'm a Boat, and it's docked on cinder blocks in my driveway. Hashtag classy as fuck. Yes, yes. My I like team. That. My team. That's I like good. it. That's a good answer. Where's the location of your yacht? In my front yard. Or the cinder blocks. Mm. <laughs> I'm a boat. That's pretty I cool. like that he's confused. I love it. Well, so today after I had a break, um, I was running through the control room um, and I, because uh, I had, and, and, um, I had to pee, sorry. I was like, you know, transparency. Too much transparency uh, on this I, morning I just show. said to the control room, I was like, today's show is like NC-17, like we've gone too far, mm -hmm. which leads to this tweet. Uh, Nichelle Stevens, you were a little scandalized this morning. Uh, so much big dick energy on AM to DM this morning. Mm. Yeah, I just... Mm happened. I believe there's a phrase. We used to say it a lot when oh, we first launched. I'm scared because I don't know what he's about to say. Not like other morning shows. That's true. Not like other I think we need to update it. It's like, we have a complex. <laughs> We have to update it. Do we still have jobs? Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, I'll, I'll <laughs> check on Shawnee later, see what she thinks. Anyway, what a morning. What, what a, a week. Morning. What we a are, week. We've made, I'm, oh, I've got to say, I'm so excited. I am going to see Janet Jackson perform at Panorama Festival mm -hmm. tomorrow. I'm so excited. That's exciting. So it'll be a while before I tweet about Buffy. Because <laughs> I got to do. I'll, I'll to be do. on my couch. I'll be on Twitter. That's Don't right. you worry about That's it. That's cool. That's cute. All right. Well, thank you all. All right, thank you to our guests, <laughs> Kelly MacDonald, Amber Jamison, Paul McLeod, David Mack, and Dan Vergano. That is absolutely right. Next week, Dasha Polanco, Simon Rich, Guy Branham, and Rachel Zoe will be, I'm sorry, Zoe will be here. Yes. Enjoy your weekend. We'll be back on Monday, 10 a.m. Look at that shimmy. He's just getting ready for Janet. He's just getting ready for Janet Jackson. Stop fucking your coworkers. Oh.